Amen. Let's clap to the Lord again this morning. Give Him praise today. Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat, if you will. So good to see you on this Mother's Day. What an incredible time of worship we've been able to have and just to be able to celebrate this wonderful baby dedication with the Doss family today. I want to welcome the rest of their family who are here. We love their family. And uh, we just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are here this morning. Pastor Randy said that a few minutes ago. We love these ladies. They're so special in our lives. And I especially want to say Happy Mother's Day to my mom. She's in here, I think, somewhere. Are you in here, Mom? And uh, there she is right there. And uh, see, that's one of the perks of being a pastor. You get to say Happy Mother's Day to your mama from the pulpit. And so I love my mom. And uh, not only am I here physically because of my mom, uh, but I'm here spiritually because of my mom. My mom is the one, when she came to know the Lord, the Lord just set her heart on fire for Christ and uh, changed our family, changed me. Uh, I saw that in her life, and uh, she shared that with me, and uh, that, that changed my life. And so I love you, Mom. Thank you for that. You, uh, you have certainly uh, just instilled just a, a legacy of godliness within our family, and we're so grateful. I also uh, just want to say happy Mother's Day to my wife. I'm not sure. I can't see. The lights are pretty bright. can't see if she's in here, but happy Mother's Day to her. She's probably serving over in the uh, kids' area this morning. But uh, she is the, the mother of my sweet kids, and she is an incredible woman, a godly mother, and, uh, and more than anything, just a saint for putting up with me, amen? And uh, she definitely is a saint for that, and uh, I felt for hope this past week. I'm going kind to of just kind of share just a little personal story here. Felt hope this past week because uh, uh, just, just for her having to put up not only with me, but with some of the stuff that our kids do, and... Uh, our daughter, Trinity, she is a good kid, and uh, Luke's a great kid. We have wonderful kids that love the Lord. And uh, Now, Trinity, she looks just like her mother, right? She looks like her, but I'm just going to tell you, she acts a lot like me, and that is trouble, okay? And uh, she acts a lot like me. She definitely likes to aggravate others and uh, likes to just kind of give uh, you know other kids a hard time from... From uh, time to time, not just kids, but just just people. She likes to aggravate. She finds you know pleasure in that, and uh, and I understand that. And uh, and so uh, the, earlier this week, <laughs> just something that kind of happened at our house. Uh, there were some girls that were playing in our front yard, and uh, Trinity was out there playing with them. And Trinity had climbed up in the tree uh, in our front yard and was hiding up in the tree. And uh, there were some bigger girls that came by that were bullying one of the girls that lives next door to us. And uh, Trinity, being up in the tree, thought that she could make things better by taking the little berries that are up in our tree. And, uh, and she's hidden and throwing these little berries down at these bigger girls. And, uh, and I'm talking they were bigger girls, much older, bigger girls. And uh, without going into detail too much, let me just say that didn't work out for her very well. And uh, her mom found out about this. She came in and told us that these girls were, you know, kind of picking on this other girl. So we went out and had, had uh, you know, a discussion with these kids and got everything settled down. And, uh, and so at this point, Trinity was in the clear. Okay, she's in the clear. She was golden at this point. Uh, I, I didn't realize anything had gone on other than what she had said had happened. And, uh, you know, but... You moms, I don't know how you do this. You have this intuition that there's more to the story than what there is, right? I mean, you guys do this. We don't know how you do this, but you do it. So, so Luke and I had to go somewhere. We went off to the store. By the time I got back, apparently during that time, Hope had, had broken Trinity down to confession point. 
And uh, using the techniques that you moms are good at using, you know, bright lights, uh, waterboarding if necessary, <laughs> is what I've heard. And, uh, and so I'm having, having dinner. We're ha- it's so nice outside. We're having dinner on the back porch there. And, and I just said, Trinity, tell me what happened. What was going on out there, you know? And, and, uh, and she was like, got this look like, Dad, don't bring this up right now. I just went through it, okay? And you're bringing this up. And, uh, and so a- after that, um, you know, she went ahead and fessed up to me and told me what she'd been involved in and, and was just kind of brokenhearted about that a little bit, and a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so I gave her, you know, a little bit of a scolding for that. And, uh, and uh, she went off on her way. You know, we had the whole talk, you know, throw berries at kids' heads kind of talk, you know. We hadn't had that in a while. And uh, in a while. <laughs> and so... Um, so Trinity goes on her way and I'm just sitting there eating dinner and I've got a smirk on my face because I'm going, man, this kid is like me. And, uh, and I'm just kind of thinking about it and Hope's sitting there and she's just staring me down and she's sitting there at the table and she's looking at me and I look at her and I'm like, what? And, and she's like, you, <laughs> you did this. You did this. I never did things like this. And, uh, you know, she does these things because of you. It's genetic, you know. And, uh, and so I, I told her the whole, you know, you're pointing finger. There's three pointing back at you. You know, I went into that. That didn't work. And so I just proceeded to apologize for my DNA and my genetic makeup. I don't know if you've ever had to do that, but I did. And... Uh, and I have to say, this woman is a saint. Not only does she have to deal with me, but she has to deal with our offspring that has my DNA. And so, happy Mother's Day to Mom and to Hope. Y'all can get together and work out the whole genetic thing, okay? The whole DNA thing. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We are continuing in this series called Rooted. I'm so glad you're here. We're working our way through this great letter that the Apostle Paul has written to these churches in this area of Colossae. And uh, Paul starts off in Colossians. He starts off in the first chapter, and we've covered this. He starts off by encouraging them, by saying that he's heard of their great faith. In verse 4, he says, I've heard of your faith. It's amazing. And he, he tells them that he loves them, that he's proud of them. And, but then, as this parent does... Uh, he begins to express some concerns for them. He starts expressing this loving concern about their faith, and there have been some threats that had come along, and things that were now threatening their church, and now they were threatening their faith. And, and so Paul expresses this parental kind of concern, very much like the concern that a mom has for a child. That special kind of concern that, that you agonize for them as they go through difficulties or as, as you know they're going to be facing the world and you kind of agonize in that way. Moms, I know you can relate to this very much so. And this is what Paul was expressing to them, this very loving parental kind of concern. There were some false teachers that had come along and they were attacking the deity of Jesus Christ. They were coming along and they were, they were attacking not only the fact that Jesus was God, but they were even, some were even attacking that he ever really became a man. They were attacking the, the incarnation of Christ. They were saying that the gospel was a great thing, but it wasn't complete. 
or that it wasn't enough, that there was more to the gospel and that there were works involved and that there was this secret knowledge that, were the, that was the Gnostics that came along and said this. So they're facing all kinds of threats from all over the place, m- much like the world we live in today as believers where everywhere you turn, your faith is under assault. It's being questioned. It's being challenged. And, and there are false teachings that are everywhere, even from within the church, so to speak. There are false teaching, teachings that are being propagated. And so these false teachers were saying that Jesus was a good guy, but that he was in some ways maybe just some kind of image or some kind of being like an angel, that he had good things to say, but he was just one of many philosophies or ways of life. This is what they were telling him, again, like our culture today. So Paul is going to jump right in the middle of this, right after he encourages them, right after he said, I, I need to just, I need to talk to you about something. This is what he's going to do. He said, he said these people are saying this, and, I, and Paul's saying, wait a minute, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. And we spent some time on that a few weeks back. Jesus has always been. He'll always be. He did become a man. Uh, The disciples, they say, we touched him. We saw him. We were with him. Uh, He not only is God and, and the creator, but he is also the reconciler. We spent a week on that talking about reconciliation. He's the one that paid for our sin on the cross. He's the one who, who made it possible for us as we were separated from God because of our sin. Now we can have this incredible relationship with, with the Lord now because of, because of Jesus. He's not just a way. He is the way is what Paul is saying. And so he's going to really just begin to challenge these believers in Colossae. He's going to challenge them to have a rooted, firm, and established kind of faith in Christ In essence, what Paul is doing in the book of Colossians is he's coming to this group of believers and he's saying, you got to grow up. You're going to continue to face these kinds of things. And so you've got to know what you believe. You've got to begin to practice out what it is that your Christianity is all about. You have to have a good understanding and be mature in the Lord Uh, for a number of reasons. Not only are you going to face false teachings that are going to come your way all of the time, and you want to be able to spot those, you want to be able to weed out those false teachings and know what is true and what is right, you want to be able to do that. But here's the deal. Life is also very hard. And if you're not rooted in your faith, and you're not established in your faith, then you're going to be facing difficulties in life. We all go through them. And if you're not rooted in your faith, you're going to be found that you're going to be swept away. You're going to be discouraged all of the time. And so there's a number of reasons that Paul is going to bring this up to them. One of the responsibilities of moms, but really parents in all, is to just challenge their kids to grow up. That's what, that's what you moms are really good at, is you do the things that you're doing, caring for us and nurturing for us and doing these things, but, but you have this, this intuition and knowledge of knowing, at least most seem to do this, of knowing when it's time to really challenge your kids to begin taking some steps of responsibility, to start growing up, to start maturing in ways. And, and so you kind of almost kind of start pushing them out of the nest a little bit. And this is what, this is what Paul is doing. Uh, sometimes we need a little nudge. Sometimes we need someone like a mom or a parent to come alongside us and to, to just encourage us and kind of push us along. Because the thing is, is we are so often content to stand pat in our immaturity. We will just stand pat. We'll just stay the same. Uh, and, and unless someone really challenges us to grow. 
And so moms come along and they teach us how to mature. And Paul's really coming along and just with this, this really quality of this parent is saying, I'm, I'm really wanting to urge you to grow in the Lord. I'm wanting to urge you to be deeply rooted in Christ because this is going to continue. And if you don't have deep roots in Christ, then, then you're going to find yourself in a bad place. So Paul, he calls the Colossian church out. And I'm just going to tell you, Paul calls us out too. He calls us out as believers and he says, you've got to grow. Some people, they may be a believer. Some of you, maybe you've come to a place where you've trusted Christ as your Savior. But the reality is, is you're not much different than before when you trusted Christ. Before your time of coming to know the Lord. There's not a lot of difference in your life or, or for some, maybe you've trusted Christ, but you've not grown in understanding more about Jesus and understanding more about the gospel. Uh, we get this, to this place where we'll just stand pat in our immaturity. It's one of the things that I think is such a huge problem in, in the churches all across America today is we just go through the motions of religion. We go through the motions of spirituality, but there's not a lot of depth. I mean, there's a church on every corner, right? But we don't see a lot of spiritual depth. We don't see a lot of so much depth that it's making an impact in our families or an impact where we go to work or an impact with our neighbors and in our community. We're, we're, as the old saying goes, we're a mile wide but only an inch deep. And Paul is saying you've got to go deeper with Christ. You have to go deep because these attacks are going to continue to come. You are going to face difficulties. You must be deeply rooted in the Lord. And so our key thought for today is really this. Just as one of the best things that you can do for your mom is to grow up and to be spirit, or not just spiritually mature, but just mature, responsible, Okay, someone that that does what they're supposed to do and and, you know, and and, and you're growing. Man, that is one of the best ways for you to bless your parents and to bless your moms is when you whenever you begin to to live in that manner that brings blessing to her because it's a testimony of what she has done in raising you. Okay, now here's the thing. Just as just as as uh, as Paul has this, just as your mom wants you to grow in this way, Paul is saying, I want you to grow in this way. And, and not only Paul wants us to grow in this way, what we can find is our key thought is that your spiritual maturity matters to God. It matters much to him that you're growing in the Lord, that you're not staying the same. It matters to the Lord. It brings glory to him. And, and in some ways, when we don't grow, it brings a bad light on his name when we're not growing. It's kind of like we're saying he doesn't really make any difference in my life to begin with. And so um, your spiritual maturity matters much to God. Paul's going to tell them this in chapter 1. Now, we're going to be in chapter 2, but let me just give you some context. In chapter 1, verse 27, here's what Paul says. This is what he says right here. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. He's saying it's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. That's those of us who are not Jews. It's for everybody this, this, this glory of knowing the Lord is for everybody. And he says this, and this is the secret. This is amazing, guys. Christ lives in you. And we did a whole message on that. Jesus lives in you. He lives within us. You're not on your own. He indwells us. And what this does, this gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Verse 28, 
So we tell others about Christ, all right? We're telling others about Christ. We're warning everyone. In other words, we're helping them to come along and mature. We're teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. And that's God-given wisdom. That's not a man kind of wisdom. It's, it's from God. He's saying it, and then he says right here, this is the key. We want to present them to God mature in their relationship to Christ. That's what Paul says I'm all about. That's why I work, he says. That's why I work. That's why I struggle so hard, uh, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Paul says right here, this is why I'm doing what I do. This is why I'm even willing to suffer for the gospel. You have to remember, Paul's in chains when he's writing this. He's saying, man, this is why I'm willing to go through what I'm going through so that I can see that people are coming to know Christ, but they're not just staying that way. They are growing in the Lord. They're maturing in Christ. Your maturity, just as it matters to your mom, or if you're a parent, it matters to your parent there. Uh, the healthy maturity of your own kids, it matters to you, right? Well, just so, your spiritual maturity matters significantly to God. I mean, that's, that's what we're all supposed to be about. When I say all, I mean all. Spiritual maturity is not just for pastors, Spiritual maturity is not just for, for missionaries or those who have a vocation, so to speak, of, of uh, uh, you know, their vocation is ministry. We've established that we're all ministers, right? Um, there's some of us that we, we just do this for a living. There are others of you that you are, this is, this is uh, you're a minister. The scripture says you're a minister of reconciliation. Spiritual maturity is for every person in here who is a Christ follower, that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And, and, and you say, well, what are the benefits of spiritual maturity? The benefits of spiritual maturity are this, because you're thinking, why does it matter? It matters, because whenever you are maturing spiritually, I'm just going to tell you this, you're better. When you are maturing in the Lord, you are a better mom when you're maturing in the Lord. When you are maturing in the Lord, you are a better dad. When you're maturing in the Lord, you can have a better marriage. When both partners and both, both husband and wife are maturing in the Lord, that makes for a stronger marriage. You're better as an employee. You should be. You're better as an employer. We're just flat out better when we are growing in Jesus. We're better people. And, and so that's one, of the, that's one of the advantages as growing in the Lord. That's not the reason that we grow. We grow because we're told to grow and we want to be more like Jesus. But that's one of the things that happens that's this, this benefit of you growing in the Lord. Now, I want to just give you this morning, just very quickly, I want to give you some things that I see in this passage in chapter 2 regarding spiritual maturity in the second chapter of Colossians. So look in chapter 2 of Colossians, look in your Bibles, reading mostly from the ESV this morning. That was NLT I just read, but... What we're going to be looking at now is an ESV. And uh, we could call these, if you're taking notes today, some marks of maturity. This is for you to be able to start kind of checking yourself out today and say, am I growing? Are these things, would they be spoken of me by others as they look at my life? Am I growing in the Lord or am I one of those that just has come to know God and I have been the same for years and years and years? So start asking yourself this morning. Don't make this just another day that you're just kind of going through the motions of church. Come in this morning and be ready to do business with God as you look at these as God's word speaks to us this morning, okay? Some marks of maturity. The first thing that I see is this, is that maturing believers, number one, if you're taking notes, they have a genuine concern for other believers. Now, I would say all people, okay? But I would say specifically there's this care for other believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ, 
This morning, I was thinking about the message as I was driving uh, up here and just thinking about it even further and just thinking about what I was going to say more and just, God, do you want me to say this and this? And, and as I was sitting there, I felt like God gave me this, this for you today is a maturing believer has, and maybe this is another way of saying this, has this quality of selflessness. That's a good thing to write down, okay? There's a quality of selflessness that begins to develop within a, a believer that's maturing. Your life becomes not just all about you. There's a quality of selflessness that begins to emerge within one who is growing in the Lord. And, and we're going to see this as Paul expresses his concern for the Colossians. It's always good to have someone that you can emulate spiritually. And really, when you look at the Apostle Paul, he's someone he even says in several places... Follow me as I follow Christ. Emulate me as I seek to emulate Christ. This is what Paul says about himself. So this is a good thing for us to learn. A maturing believer has this quality of selflessness about them that's developing. And you can start asking yourself, man, am I so self-absorbed that all I think about really is me? Am I just so uh, to this place? To, and, and if you really want to know, ask some other people around you, okay? Um, am I selfish? Am I selfish in the way that I treat my spouse? Am I selfish in the way that I treat other people? Um, do I feel that when I come to church that it's only just for me? It's all about me? Or is there a, is there a quality of selflessness that is developing within you? Okay, look at what Paul says. He's going to show us what maturity looks like. He's going to model it first. Here's what he says in verse 1. Paul says, for, for I want you to know, he says this, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. How great a struggle I have for you. And for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. This is what he says in verse 1. Do we, do we have that on the slide there? We may not. Okay, here we go. For I want, look, he says, for I want you to know how great a struggle. Paul says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And, and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. You see, you can begin to sense as you're reading this, Paul's love and concern for these believers. Now, let's stop and think about where Paul is. Where is he? He's in prison. You know, and we're, we're talking, it's probably not the best place to be back in this time. He's not shooting pool and getting to hang out in the yard, so to speak, okay? He's at a difficult point in his life, but I want you to notice he's not so absorbed in himself, in himself that all he's talking about is him. Uh, he's basically saying, he's saying, I'm really concerned about you. I have a concern about you. It's, 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 a, concern, it's a concern that not only you're just concerned, but it's like a mom it's a concern that moves you to action, you know? It moves you into action, and Paul is, is saying this. He has this, this uh, concern. This word also translates, this, this word where he says a great struggle, this word also translates labor or toil or, or, or this, uh, this concern. It's the Greek word agonizai, and it means this, to agonize for. He agonizes them. It's the kind of love that you see that a mom often has for a child. And we know, we all know how much our moms have agonized for us. How often our mothers have worried about us, so to speak, if you want to even say it that way. I don't know that that's the right way to say it, but just this empathy for us. Or they've, they've been concerned for us, or they hurt with us as we hurt, or as we're struggling, they struggle with us through that. 
Now, I also know that that can go overboard and can begin to turn into worry, which is a lack of trust in God. But, but I'm talking about a healthy kind of concern, one that moves into action. And since it's Mother's Day, I obviously have been thinking a lot this week about my mom and thinking about the impact she's had on, on my life. And, and I've been thinking a lot about my wife as well this week and, and what an incredible mom she is. I was thinking about this kind of struggle in love that, that, our, that our moms have for us and, and, and this kind of struggle in love that Paul had for these believers. I remember whenever I was eight years old, my mom was pregnant with my sister Lauren, who also happens to be uh, a member of our church uh, and, and I think is in here. And, uh, but she was pregnant with my sister Lauren and Lauren uh, was born two months premature. And she was in the hospital after she was born there. She was in the hospital for some time. I, I was just a kid, little kid. And, uh, but even as an eight-year-old child, I had this perception of realizing and seeing this intense kind of, of love that my mom had for my sister. As my sister was in this helpless state, as she was struggling as a newborn baby and had these medical issues that she was dealing with, even as a child, I could see that in my mom. I could see this, this intense concern, a, a burden of love that she carried for my sister. And I got to tell you, we're grown today. You know, I'm 40 and I won't say how old Lauren is, but you can figure it out. And because uh, I got to have lunch with Lauren in a little bit. OK, and but here's the deal. I still I still see that same kind of of love and concern that she has for us even still today as she watches us go through life as she sees us deal with the things that life throws our way, and, and we share with her about these certain things, I, I, I feel that often, and I see that, and it's a, it never goes away, does it, moms? Never goes away. You feel that for your kids, and, and, and I see that same kind of motherly love in hope, that struggle when she sees uh, Luke and when she sees Trinity go through their struggles that they have, you know, sometimes you just feel helpless, right? You feel like you can't do anything, and that's a, that's a... Well, think about Paul. Paul is in this place where there's nothing he could do. He's stuck. But I know he's praying. <laughs> you know he's praying. In fact, he talks about it in chapter 1. He is praying much. He is doing what he can. He's encouraging them through letters. He's, he's loving them in this way. He can't physically be there. And that may be how it is for some of you this morning. Um, you know, maybe you're not physically able to be there for someone that you're concerned for in this kind of way, but you can still be praying for them. You know, this the same kind of, of love that, that we see within our parents. And, and I know dads have this too, but it's really special with moms. It's really special. Paul says, I agonize for you. I agonize to see you grow because he knows if they don't grow, then man, they're in trouble. They're going to be in trouble if they don't grow in the Lord, if they don't mature. He vocalizes this to another church in a letter in 2 Corinthians. He talks about his agony. Um, he's, he's been opening up to them about the hardships that he's faced because of the gospel. And we talked about this a few weeks back when we talked about, as a believer, we, we're going to suffer. We, we are going to suffer for the name of Jesus. You will suffer. We don't water that down. It happens. We live in a broken world as well, and there's suffering in this world in which we live. Praise God, one day there will not be, but right now this is the world in which we live. Paul has been through more than anybody than I could ever know, I mean, that I've ever known, especially when it comes to hardships for the gospel. He's suffered physically, but now he's going to start talking about the emotional side of it. 
Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Just follow on the screen for time's sake today. But he says, then besides all this, he's saying all of the, the physical torment I've been through for the gospel's sake, besides even all of this, he says, I have this daily burden of my concern for all the churches. I have this daily burden of my concern. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Saying I empathize with them. When they feel weak, when they hurt, when, when they're going through hardships, Paul's saying, I feel that with them. I agonize with them as they go through this, as I see the trouble. Who is led astray? Many are led astray. Who is led astray? To that? He says that I do not burn with anger. There's a protective, there's this shepherding kind of thing Paul has going on here. Who is not led away that I don't feel that? I feel that often as a pastor. I thought in this verse, I've thought as I've been really just looking at my own life as, as a man and as a pastor, this is one that I thought, well, I feel this. I have that daily burden of my concern, uh, not, not just for all the churches, but specifically for the believers who are within our own congregation. When they hurt, I hurt. When, when they are led astray, uh, you know, I, do I not burn with anger? Not towards them, but burn with anger and that the enemy has got a foothold in someone's life. That's kind of what he's saying here. This genuine concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, here's some application for you in this. Something for you to start asking yourself right now. Sometimes we get so caught up within, within ourselves, and we get so focused on everything that's happening within our own life. You know, sometimes we're thinking, how am I going to benefit? That's what we think. How am I going to benefit, uh, you know, from my faith or what's in it for me? And if you think about it, that's really the mentality of an immature child. I mean, think about, think about the children as they're growing up, especially around two, right? Okay, the whole world revolves around them. They don't get what they want. What do we do? They throw a fit. For many of us, that continues, okay? And uh, moms are going, amen. And, and here's the thing. Think about this. Is there a quality of selflessness that's developing within you? You want to know if you're maturing in the Lord? Do you think about other people? Or you just think about you? Do you just think about you most of the time? Are you thinking about others? Are you noticing others? Are you, are, you, are you concerned about others? When you see that maybe there's someone that maybe they, they haven't been here uh, and a part of the body for a while, do you feel that for them? Are you just counting on the fact that a few pastors can keep up with everyone? That's not going to be the way that we can go forward. We're continuing to grow. We're getting larger. There has to be those within our congregation that have that genuine concern and love for others. As you see them begin to wander, you reach out to them. You love them. You help protect them. You minister to them along with us. This is some practical application. Who are you concerned about this morning? You may be concerned and agonizing in spirit, but has it moved you into action? Are you doing something about it? Who are you bringing along? Some things to think about today. Another mark of someone who's maturing in the Lord is, is, the, is this. If you're taking notes, is there is a heart. They have a heart that finds encouragement. They have a heart that finds encouragement. In other words, they know where to look to for encouragement. They know where to go. Rather than going to the wrong places for encouragement, they go to the right place. And that is their relationship with Christ. As your relationship is growing with him, who do you go to for encouragement? What do, you, what do you look for to find encouragement and your comfort? 
You know, do you go straight to Jesus or are you more prone to go to other places? Are you prone to try to escape through, through self-medicating in a number? Or do you go to the Lord? Where do you find your encouragement? And again, in emulating Paul, if you were to look at his life, you'd see that this guy, he suffered more than anyone I know. And, and we can read back and see through all that he went through physically, emotionally. Now he's talking about, I'm struggling emotionally and spiritually for you. He's struggling for these believers. And look at what he says in verse 2. He says, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that their hearts may be, say it with me, what? Their hearts may be encouraged. This is Paul's prayer for these believers, that their hearts would be encouraged. This word in the original language can also translate comforted. I'm praying that their hearts will be comforted. That it means to come alongside of. When we're maturing in the Lord, we find our comfort in Him. He knows that a maturing believer is going to be able to find encouragement and comfort when he begins to see things from God's perspective. When we start seeing things the way God sees them, and we can't always see it, you know, uh, the complete picture because God is God and his ways are higher than our ways. But, but I would even say this, even in the midst of suffering, like we talked about a few weeks ago, there's this trust in God that begins to develop that even as you go through your difficulties, you find your comfort in him so much that other people are blown away by how you're comforted in times such as these. How does that happen? How are you like this? And, and, and we've seen so many within our own congregation that have gone through just such difficulties. And I got to say, as a pastor, I more times than not am just blown away and challenged in such an incredible way because I've watched some people go through some stuff that I can't even fathom. I've seen you draw your comfort from the Lord. In fact, there have been, you've even told me, some of you in our conversations, you said, people have said, we don't know how you're doing this. And you've been able to say, if it were not for Jesus, I couldn't get through this. I don't know how I'd get through this without the Lord. You know where to look for encouragement. Bottom, life is, bottom line is this, guys, right? Life is hard. It's hard. Let me just ask you, how many of you, how many of you you're going through a hard time? Be honest, right now. You'd say, I'm going through a hard time. We would pray for you. How many of you just came out of a hard time, okay? Anybody you've been through? Maybe you're still going in. Maybe you're still in it right now. How many of you are dreading going into a hard time, okay? You're like, I don't want to go into one, but, but it seems to happen, right? We all go through this. Remember, as Paul was, was imprisoned for the gospel, he wrote this, and he, he wrote this not only in Colossians, but he wrote in Philippians. We, we went through this book a few years back. And the whole theme of the whole book of Philippians is this guy who's in prison. And the whole thing's about joy. How can I, how can I have joy in these certain times? It's, it's, it's being able to see with a different set of eyes. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 1.12. You, you can just look on the screen if you want or you can flip over there. This is in the NLT. Here's what he says. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Remember all that had happened to him. He's in prison for the gospel. He's saying, I'm seeing this from a different... He could have been wallowing in self-pity and all of this, but he said, I'm seeing this in a different way. What's happening to me is, is helping to bring glory to God. Everyone here, he says, including the palace guard, these guys who have me in prison, they know that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, notice he says most. 
Most of the believers here, they have gained confidence and they boldly speak God's message without fear because Paul knew how to draw comfort from God. Now others around him were drawing comfort from Paul and encouragement from Paul. He goes on, he says, it is true, and there are some that were trying to hurt Paul. It's true that some are preaching of je- out of je- preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Look at what he says. That doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. And what does he say? Read it with me. What does he say? So I do what? I, I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. It's a continual mindset that you live with of rejoicing. For I know that as you pray for me, and now he knows where to look for comfort. And the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. So Paul lived it out. A maturing believer begins to handle problems differently than the rest of the world. Those that don't know Christ because Christ the mystery of the gospel, it lives within you. He's with you as you go through this. It's a, and, and, and this, as we go through this, a believer, think about this, a believer who constantly goes through life and is constantly, I'm not saying we don't get worried or get anxious or lack peace at times, but as we mature, this begins to dissipate more and more in our lives. A believer who constantly is filled or could be described as being anxious all the time or worrying or having a sour disposition or bitterness or a troubled spirit, these are some signs that there's some immaturity and some things that God's wanting to do within you to purify and perfect you as his follower. There's some signs that there needs to be some growth and that's not said in a condescending way because I struggle with this very much so. And the Lord's showing me that he wants to grow me in these ways. You know you're beginning to mature when you're starting to have a different outlook. It's not that you don't grieve. It's not that you don't get sad. It's not that you don't, st- but, but you start seeing with a different set of eyes. This is what a mature believer looks like. Many of you, you're discouraged this morning. You're going through a, a difficult time. And the Lord, what he's doing right now is he's calling you to come to him. Where do you find your encouragement? Come to him. Look to him for comfort. See, this is not only us just looking to him for comfort, but I, I would even just throw this in right here. I also believe that the mark of a mature believer is someone who is constantly looking to encourage someone else. See, that quality of selflessness again. You're looking for others to maybe encourage. There's so many ways that we can encourage each other today. So many methods and forms of communication that make it so simple to encourage each other. You can send a text. You can send an email. You can make a quick phone call. You can post something on a Facebook wall. You can do so many different things to encourage another believer. As many of you know, I'll be taking a, a, just a bit of a sabbatical beginning this next week. And, and I just want to echo again, there's nothing wrong. Um, nothing wrong in my family. Nothing wrong in my marriage. Uh, I'm not having any, you know, problems. I'm not going into rehab, you know, whatever, okay, as people speculate. Um, it's just uh, been going at this hard for over 20 years now, and the Lord's been speaking to me about just drawing back with him for a little bit and just spending time with him. And it's been hard for me to be willing to step back. It's been hard for me to obey the Lord in this way and, and draw away. This next Sunday, um, I'm going to be by myself with the Lord and my Bible uh, up in Durango, Colorado, suffering for Jesus. And, uh, 
And, um, but <laughs> just thought you should know where I will be. And, uh, but I will be with the Lord and uh, spending that time with him. But I just want to tell you this, because there has been some wounding, not by anybody specifically, just wounding and that daily burden, that burden of seeing people go through stuff. It just starts to hurt. And, and, um, but I got to tell you, I've been overwhelmed with encouragement this past week by so many of you who decided to, to write me notes. Some of you sent me an email. Some of you sent me text. Some of you sent me a card. Uh, some of you put a phone call into me just to check, check you know, on me to be sure that I'm okay for real. And I was able to say, this is for real. This, it, it, take it at face value. This is what it is. It's just a, it's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. But I'm going to tell you this, and I mean this. Um, God used so many of you this past week to begin the process of replenishment in my soul. God used your words, your encouragement. And you know, I'm not a hugger, but even some of your neck hugs, okay? And uh, I, seriously, he did. God used that, and, and, and it just, it's brought healing already. I've not even really gotten to start yet, but because of just some affirmation of my brothers and sisters in Christ, my family coming around me and saying, we're with you. We got your back. We love you. You've made a difference. You've made a difference in our life. Just those things. You know, sometimes uh, we just get used to one another and we don't tell each other maybe what we should tell each other in the way that we love each other. I'm talking about in all of our relationships. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. A mark of a maturing believer is someone that encourages others. You're looking for opportunities to encourage someone. You're not so self-absorbed with everything that's happening in your life that you're not thinking about others, but instead, you're going to find encouragement from the Lord and you're going to find encouragement as you find someone that needs a word from you today. Someone needs to hear from you, believer. Someone needs to be encouraged by you this morning. Who in this room, you saw, as I said, who's having a hard time? You saw hands go up. Maybe it was someone sitting next to you. How could you encourage them this week? Maybe you could send them a card, or maybe you could take them to coffee and just be an ear for them. A believer, a believer who is maturing begins to think about others in this way. And I just want to say, I've just been very humbled and very grateful, and I'm just so thankful. Thank you for, for allowing me to, to experience that and be on the, the receiving end this week. It's been just a blessing. Paul's going to hit home on something else, just real quickly. He's going to say a maturing believer, another mark of this, is, is they have a heart that's knitted together with other believers. It's knitted together this is interesting terminology he uses. He says in verse 2, it's being, their heart is being, he says, is being knit together in love. Interesting word that he uses. It's a medical metaphor. This being knit together, it's like taking flesh and stitching it uh, together as one. And as members of the body of Christ, we're not to be out of joint with anyone. We're to be in sync with others in sync with others. And, and so here's what I want to ask you. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but, but are you in sync with the body of Christ? As you are maturing in the Lord, you feel 
This need, you recognize the need to be with other believers. Iron sharpening iron. Coming together. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You know, being with others that, that sharpen you spiritually. And if you're not right with another uh, brother or, or sister in Christ, then you have this, you realize you have a spiritual responsibility. Now I want to say this. Your responsibility is to either go to that person and make it right as a spiritual maturing believer. Either go to them and make it right, or you need to take it to God and let it go. Are you with me? This is a mark of a maturing believer. Either go to that person and make it right, as Jesus has told us in Matthew 18, 15. But more times than not, you can cover it with love and forgive. Go to God and let it go. This is being in sync. Here's another thing. Paul says a person who's maturing in the Lord has this. A full understanding of the gospel. Full assurance of understanding the gospel. Okay, he goes on in verses 2 and 3 and he says... He says, he talks about this is what a maturing believer looks like. They, they come to this place to where they reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, I talk to so many believers as a pastor that are struggling with their assurance of salvation. On a regular basis, I, I, I don't know if I'm really saved or not. And, well, I, I thought you trusted Christ as your Savior. Well, I, I did, but, man, I've, I've messed up since then. And, and so many believers don't understand God's grace. They don't understand that they've been saved by grace, they, that it's not by works, lest any man boast, as Ephesians tells us. And this is one area that the enemy goes to work on within believers is this issue of assurance of salvation. And the security of believers that we find in Christ. And if he can, if the enemy can wreck your confidence in your salvation, he can wreck a lot of other things in your life. And this is where he starts. And so this maturing believer under, begins to understand the gospel more. They understand they're saved by grace. They understand that these concepts of reconciliation and, and what redemption is about and substitution. And I'm using some theological terms here because I think they are important. Here's a word, propitiation. And we see that and we're like, man, I'm going the other way from that word. But let me tell you what that beautiful word means. It means a satisfactory payment. That's what it means. Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. And, and what that means was he's paid in full for you and for me. Isn't it good to know those kinds of things? That you can't add any more to the gospel? It's been paid in full. And see, one of the things that I despise and that I've seen happen within generations of, of, of pastors within my generation is this, is what we'll call this, a dumbing down of the gospel. We see this dumbing down of the gospel and, and the gospel message, and I've said this in classes that I teach, is so simple that a child can wade through it and wade in it, and it's so deep that we can never even touch the depths of that pool. But it's simple enough that a child can understand it. But there's some deep things as well. You can keep growing and learning more and more about the gospel. When you have a good understanding of sound doctrine, and sound doctrine is being taught within our church. And it's being taught, it's not just without purpose. It's so that you're rooted in your faith. It's so that you know and can spot a counterfeit whenever it comes your way. Chapter 2, verse 4. Actually, just 1 John 5.13 says, 
He says, I have ri- I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may, everybody say it with me, you may what? Know you have eternal life. You need to walk out of here knowing you can be secure in Jesus because it affects the way you live. Now, Paul, back to Colossians, Paul's going to say, I say all of this about being knit in, in, uh, in, in this body of love and being involved in this and, and having this understanding of the gospel. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You know what that means? There's some good arguments out there. And you better be rooted in your faith or you're going to be swept just off your feet because you don't understand the gospel. Uh, back whenever I was, a, uh, I was in college, I worked at banks. I was involved in working at banks. I became a teller for a while. I worked in the proof room. I did, I, so I got real accustomed to working with a lot of money. And it was always very depressing because none of it was mine. Okay? And, but, but whenever I first became a teller, they wanted, and if you've been a teller, you know this, they want you to really be familiar with our currency, to really know what it looks like, what it feels like, and they want you to know how to spot a counterfeit. And I thought, ooh, this is going to be fun because they're going to give me a lot of counterfeit bills that I can look at and, and, and never got a counterfeit. You know what they did? They said, get back in the vault. Your first several weeks, all you're doing is counting money. That's all I did. Count money, put bands around it, give it to someone else. Very depressing, okay? And, uh, and so I was counting all this money, and, and you just you know what it feels like. You know what it looks like. You know what it smells like. You know what I'm talking about? You, you've got the feel for money. And their philosophy is this. If you are familiar enough with what the real thing is, you can spot a counterfeit. You can see what it looks like, and you can spot it a mile off. It's the same way with good, sound, solid doctrine that whenever you are being taught that, whenever something that doesn't seem right or doesn't line up with Scripture, you're able as a maturing believer to go, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, that's not right. That's not what the Scripture says. And if you want to see if that's going on, just turn the TV on late at night, okay? And you'll see. And I'm not saying all that's on TV is like that, but I'm saying there's a lot of false teaching that is out there. You want to be sound in this. You want to be sound in your understanding of the gospel. It's a real concern that, that I have for churches today and, and, and our church specifically as, as we lead our church is that we're sound in understanding God's grace. I heard a study that was done a while back, and I don't know if you know this, but the number one mainline denomination that is converted over through proselytizing uh, of the Mormon church, do you know what that is? It's Southern Baptist. I, th- I thought, oh my word, wow. Those who are, who are Southern Baptists, they're supposed to be rooted in the word. They're supposed to be deep in the word. And, and, and uh, I mean, th- that's, that's what I grew up in. And, and they're, they're being converted higher at a higher rate than anyone else because they don't know the gospel. We are dumbing down the gospel. People need to understand what they believe. But, but Paul's saying so many are like infants being tossed to and fro with every new wind of teaching and every new doctrine that comes along. And so the thing is, is pastors have been dumbing down to the gospel. We, we can't do that. We've got to teach the word. We want you to be people of the word. I know people at EBC are smart. And they can catch these truths and they can appropriate these truths in their life. And, and it's going to lead to, to health, not just getting a bunch of knowledge, but then being challenged to put it into action. All right, so here's the last thing. If you're taking notes, Paul wraps this up today. He says, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, 
rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. So a mature believer is doing this. They have a good order and a steadfast faith. A good order and a steadfast faith. He says, even though I'm not there with you in body, even though I'm not with you there, I know this, that, that I, I'm, I'm expecting that this is going to be. That's the language he uses. I'm expecting that you're going to ha- have a good order. Now, good order, what that speaks of is discipline. It's a military term, kind of being in line. You're going to follow these truths. He's saying, I'm expecting that that's going to happen. Paul's saying, even though I'm not there. Discipline is going ahead and doing things whenever someone's not making you. You have the discipline to do it yourself. And Paul's saying you have this good order. You've got this stable and steadfast faith. A mature believer, one who's maturing, they're stable. They're stable not because someone's making them, but because it's just developing within them. There's this kind of stability that they have. You're disciplined in your faith. So God cares a lot about your maturity. Paul cares about your maturity. As your pastors, we care about your maturity. Your mama cares about your maturity, okay? As as we're on, on Mother's Day today. So here's the question. How are you doing? Are you maturing? Now, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just us hitting a few things today. But these are some things for us to chew on, some things for us to think about. Am I maturing? Am I thinking about other people? Am I encouraging other people? Am I growing in my grace and knowledge of Jesus? Do I understand the gospel? Am I, am I appropriating that in my life? Am I growing in the Lord? Or am I exactly the same as whenever I first trusted Christ? And there's not been any growth. So we would look at that and say, that's unhealthy. Just as a baby is supposed to grow and mature and be healthy. You're supposed to mature and grow and be healthy. So let's pray. Let's go to the Lord about this. How are you doing? Are you growing? Are you mature? Even if you're mature, you know, Paul said, even though I'm mature, I've still not reached this place. And so he's continuing to strive in his growth. Are you passing on? If you are mature, are you passing it on to someone else? I pray that, that we grow stronger in the Lord each passing day. Are you content with where you're at spiritually? Is God content with that? Or is God saying, you need to grow? You need to take some steps of faith. What's God speaking to you about specifically? It could be that thing about encouraging someone today. That's a great step today. Find somebody and encourage them. They may not be in our church. It's just someone you know the Lord is putting on your heart right now, and you're saying, man, I'm going to do something about that today or this week. Lord, I love you, and I just want to, I want to thank you for this challenging word, Lord, that you love us so much that you accept us exactly the way that we are, Lord, when we come to you, but you love us so much that you don't want us to stay the same. You want us to grow to be more like your son, Jesus, and that is what true maturity looks like. When we think about spiritual maturity, we can look to Jesus. There was this selflessness about him. There was stability. He sure knew the gospel, that's for, that's for certain. And so, Lord, we just want to be challenged. We want to grow. We want to be a strong church, Lord, a healthy church and healthy believers. And I pray this over us in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.